Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 56 of the PDH Pod, the one and only Magic the Gathering podcast dedicated to the total exploration of the Pauper Commander format. I am your host, Brad Drack V, and let's see what my co-hosts from the East Coast are up to. First up, Dave the Alcadron Vader. Are you back on the East Coast? How was your vacation? I am back on the East Coast. Uh, summer school started today. Ooh, okay. Uh, that's a thing. Uh, that, that is a thing that happened. Looks Looks like it's going to be pretty fun so far. Um, the, the Michigan vacation was outstanding. I went from RAW hobbies to, I spent a couple days at my parents' house in mid Michigan where mm -hmm. I recorded the last episode. And then I went up to a cabin at a lake in, uh, I'm going to say Northern Michigan and I'm going to trust everyone who understands the Midwest uh, to know that I'm not talking about the UP, but the Northern lower. <laughs> and I had a fantastic time out there. Got to see my, awesome. my, my brother, my, all my nibblings. Nice, nice. Yeah, I know when we talked to you last week, you sounded super, super relaxed. That was nice. Yeah, yeah, it's been an outstanding time. Awesome. All right, next up is our resident PDH PhD, Liam. You almost didn't make it to the show. How's it going? Uh, it's going all right. I, I also had a similar experience to Dave. Uh, after I left RIW, I went home and was there briefly for about four hours before driving uh, south to see my parents. Uh, and spent the last week and a half there. Uh, almost didn't make it to this week because I would have been driving home. But uh, we actually drove home yesterday to try and beat traffic. So yeah, I'm here. <laughs> nice. Yeah, there was a lot of traffic, a lot of holiday stuff, and a lot of crazy ass storms this weekend. Yes, it was. It got pretty sketchy over here. I think there's people still out of power from like Friday's storms, and that's not great because it's been like upper 90s all week. Sounds pretty brutal. All right. Well, we actually have a very... Sp oh, go ahead. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Other than just brutalizing, demoralizing heat outside, uh, which uh... I've come to, you know, <laughs> lived here all my life. I'm still not used to it, but it's fine. I like the heat. I don't like the uh, the drought. Like, it's just been crazy dry, crazy hot, everything else. And then all of a sudden, we just, like, out of nowhere, get days worth of storms that just wreak havoc across the two states so uh, i know our major utility company is struggling to keep up with all the damage oh and i had to get glasses i've never worn glasses in my life i had to get glasses I had an eye doctor appointment last friday huh so i've been wearing actually them every day since fourth grade they're not so bad you used to them okay yeah apparently i had to get two pair one for seeing at distance and one for seeing up close is that like a normal thing uh not typically well for for people of a certain age yes <laughs> yeah that's what he was basically saying he's like yeah at about 40 41 you know you can get bifocals or two different pair i'm like ah, okay i was, I was about to say bifocal is is what i tend to hear about more yeah so we'll see how it goes i've never had to worry about that before in my life but everything's a little fuzzy so i decided to go to the doctor so i shall be be spectacled next time you see me looking forward to that yeah right yeah me too uh, okay uh let's move on so <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, before we get on to housekeeping and all that sort of stuff, we do have a very special first-time guest in the PDH Pod studio with us this week, but we will do some housekeeping before we introduce them. If you like the show and you like what we're doing here, you can check us out over on Patreon at patreon.com slash thepdhpod. Uh, new patron shout-out, slats, slats, slats. Hope I pronounced that right. Has joined the PDH Pod family. Your support is amazing, and we appreciate every single one of you. And uh, just like slats, 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 by being a patron, you get access to the pre-show, which is usually uh, kind of like a bonus episode every single week. We did almost an hour today. Some good, uh, good tax talk if you're if you're into numbers and that sort of thing. Uh, I usually post the episodes on Patreon before it goes out live, along with the show notes, so you can follow along with what we're talking about. And finally, you get access to the PDH Pod Discord, where you can chat with the crew, you get your own special channels to get help with your decks, all that kind of good stuff. Great conversations all around. And then uh, you can find us on YouTube and the Saturday streams on Twitch at the PDH Pod there as well. And wherever you find us, don't forget to like and subscribe and hit that notification bell. That would be awesome. Liam, what do we got this week? Yeah, uh, this week in Magic, the One Ring was found... Uh, I think the most exciting thing about this being found was that it was just a regular dude or dudette who walks retail in Canada. It wasn't yeah. some multi-million dollar corporation that opened. It wasn't some store that's cracking case after case after case. It was just, yeah, it wasn't Rudy. It wasn't some big time collector. Yeah, it was just yeah. some regular person. And, and that's honestly the best we could have hoped for because the, the, the amount yeah, of money absolutely. they'll be able to sell this for is life changing. Um, yeah, for sure. I believe they went with PSA to grade it, uh, which is a little little upsetting because I think it was Beckett was offering something like a, a, an awesome package uh, and a, a special like one one of a kind case for the the club to be in. Um, yeah, I think it was Beckett. It might have been someone else, but but there was another company that was doing some kind of offering for it. Uh, but yes, I think PSA graded it. I think they graded it as a nine, which some people were making fun of, like, oh, it's not a it's not a ten or whatever, but. You know, PSA has standards and they stuck to them. Uh, they could have easily given it a 10 because it's the only one and, you know, it is the best condition. But in reality, uh, the grade doesn't really matter. <laughs> right. And they got to treat it like every other magic card when it comes down to grading. So that's nice to see. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I'm, I'm happy to see that that PSA kind of stuck to the standards there to, to, to grade that. But yeah, I I think that that's pretty much it uh, as far as this week in magic. Sounds good to me. We can move on to the uh, main topic. And as I mentioned earlier, our guest this week is a newcomer to the show, but a veteran to magic. Uh, gentlemen, please help me welcome the man behind Sanctuary PDH, Mr. Floodgate himself, Bobby Fine. Welcome to the show, Bobby. How's it going? Thanks for having me. I'm doing doing well. So excited to be Absolutely. here. Absolutely. It's a pleas- pleasure to have you on. Yeah. Long-time listener, first-time guest. That's how awesome new new patron yourself (laughs) also just recently did that so yeah exciting stuff and a big shout out to to alcadron for setting all this up so it was very very convenient very helpful (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah yep yep, brought up the show topic idea and he's like bobby and then he's like i messaged bobby bobby's good (laughs) bobby is trapped is the real (laughs) <laughs> that's, that's what i'm laughing about <laughs> yeah let's yeah, let's thank dave for walking bobby into a trap <laughs> so the, oh. what, what i reported to you see what you're in store for if you ever want to come on the show <laughs> 
I mean, get tripped. <laughs> oh, well, like we do with all of our guests, Bobby, do you mind giving the <laughs> listeners a bit of a uh, l- little bit of your background with the game, sort of when you started, what you've been through, and what ultimately brought you to uh, Popper Commander? Yeah, definitely. So I started playing Magic back, I think Zendikar, the Zendikar pre-release was like the first actual event I played in, if I remember correctly. So back then, and then I, I did what I feel like most people do. I played standard. I then got into like the tournament thing and played, you know, Valakut, Birthing Pod, Modern Blair Pod, Legacy at one point. Then I got into online stuff with Popper, which was my like introduction to like, hey, comments are pretty cool. Um, then, you know, over time, the competitive tournament thing, you realize, hey, this isn't that fun. Um, <laughs> or, you know, it's expensive or, you know, you just, it's too much sure. time playing magic. Mm-hmm. So commander, uh, which is really just, you know, you just end up spending all your time thinking about commander decks. So nothing actually changes in terms of time spent on magic. Um, <laughs> right. But yeah, started playing commander. I think Una was one of my first decks. And, uh, eventually I stumbled across an all commons child of Alara deck, on the MTG Salvation Forum back in the day. I think that was like in 20, mm-hmm. 2011, 2012, because I've had that deck together for, which is weird to say, a decade now. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. Still have it. The original, well, it's been upgraded. But yeah, so all commons. And then, you know, playing Popper, playing that led to, naturally led to, okay, there's this th- format called Popper Commander. Back then, it was just, you know, in random forums and, the you know i don't know when the home base started but there was a facebook group and a website at some point and i was in and out mm-hmm. of the home base discord server every now and then i was actually talking with uh alk about how i remember the old deck building contests that happened in the earlier days of the home base and i miss those i also miss those yeah 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 you talk about those every now and then uh, but yeah so like i've been in and out in there for you know however many years at this point and about a little over a year ago, I like got tired of playing Commander, didn't really care about Constructed, and I was like, I still like my commons, and so I got back, you know, per- maybe lurking harder and playing more games in like the home base, and playing more, mm-hmm. and then you know the tryhard server, and here we are now. Like I'm excited to be playing competitive Popper Commander, and uh, after RIW, excited to play some maybe not so uh, cutthroat popper commander as well so <laughs> yeah we're happy to uh have you in the community and uh actually speaking of riw you were on floodgate which actually a lot of people were talking about what what brought you to that deck what what made you say hey this is going to be a big time 1k competitive event i am taking floodgate are, are you telling me like that wouldn't have been on your list of decks you <laughs> no. expect to see or something like uh, can't say that it would have been um yeah, no, Floodgate was kind of like a, a metagame choice in a way, I guess. Um, so recently, I really have enjoyed playing Scholar of the Ages. It's flicker combo. Mm-hmm. I feel like everyone who's ever in, dealt with Popper in any way has nightmares about or a love affair with the card Ghostly Flicker. And it's it's one yep. or the other. There's no in-between. Uh, <laughs> and so I'm one of the people who loves it. And so um, Scholar is cool. Uh it combos very easily, but it dies to aggro because you don't play very many creatures. Floodgate, right. on the other hand, is an 05 that kills all the creatures. So it was like <laughs> flickering a, a wrath seems pretty cool. Um, it's 
seems good to yeah. me. <laughs> cool in quotes. Um, but um, right. yeah, so I was kind of going in expecting to see like a lot more creature strategies, I guess, you know, gut Dargo, um, you know, floodgate kills non-blue non-flying creatures. So it does well mm-hmm. against Gretchen. I mean, it has game against Gretchen and Malcolm too, when they care about either, you know, green land untappers or yeah. red enters the ba- artifact enter the battlefield trigger guys so i thought i had game i had combo i had like this inevitability and it was fine overall i went two two and one i think you know round one you saw my deck do the thing and it was yeah awesome. very very handily yeah that mm-hmm. game was like never really i never felt like i didn't have that game but like i took oh, my you, sweet time yeah absolutely um yeah, you had that game from from pretty much like turn two or so, which was impressive because you were facing down two gut decks and, a, and some like you know Golgari um, rock deck. Like yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that was impressive. Yeah, so the deck the deck did its thing. Um, you know, I there were some unexpected decks there that definitely threw uh, some wrenches in my plan. Uh, I didn't expect to play against blue green elementals. Um, yeah, and yeah, the Risen Reef deck surprised it quite a few people. Yeah. There. Floodgate uh, can't do anything about those, so that was fun. Uh, so props to that <laughs> player. Risen Reef was awesome. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I went two, two, and one. I got, I think, eighth place, if I recall correctly. It mm-hmm. gave me a lot of similar feelings. I get why I play like my Child of Lark Commons deck, where really controlly with like a combo finish. Um, overall, you know, in terms of like, I'm not going to be breaking it out very often because it's not fun for anyone to play against. And even when I'm playing sure, competitive, sure. like. You know, I still care about that. I do think, you know, the deck did what I wanted it to do and that it could be good and it could do really well in the future and catch people off guard because it's, it's never going to be a deck that gets played a lot. I, because one, people hate playing that kind of deck. People hate playing against it. Sure. So, um, but I think, you know, it held its own. And if there's ever just like completely creature meta, like that deck is just made to do its thing there. So. Now, is this was Floodgate? Was this deck something that you've played for a while, or did no. you just like build it for the tournament? I, I I didn't build it for the tournament. I had built it a few months back. I really like Ophidian creatures too. You know, the deal when mm-hmm. they do come at damage yeah, draw yeah. card, and so they yep. that seemed like a good pairing. And I wasn't sure how competitive it was. I think I had like three games with it, honestly, that I'd actually played before the tournament. But like mm-hmm. you know. I felt like I knew what the deck was doing. And I felt good about it. So I didn't have a lot of practice with it, but I felt like, I don't know, I felt confident about it. Every, like the logic behind it was sound in my eyes. So, yeah, absolutely. And you ran it really smoothly despite, you know, losing a couple games or what have you. So, yeah, it was really cool. It was just, I mean, the whole tournament was awesome to see the different decks, but that was one that for sure, at least for me, came out of left field. Yeah. And to see it round one, like in the featured room, that was really cool. Yeah. That game was awesome. I wish every game went like that. It did not. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, you know, at least the one that was on camera got to, it got to do its thing. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, but I also think, you know, I like, I know we're going to talk about, you know, I guess I'll, I'll breach this subject here. You know, we're going to talk about power levels. Um, mm-hmm. And Floodgate is kind of a good example of this conversation we're about to have. Because it's, like you said, it was kind of off the radar and, you know, when you think about tournaments and competitive stuff, you know, there's kind of the known entities and then the lesser known entities. And then there's the completely off the wall stuff. 
and <laughs> yep. where all those fall in, you know, how you want to describe a power level of a, a popper commander deck. I think this is a good one that's not so clear, probably. Right, right. Yeah, there there has been a lot of talk lately about ranking the power of your commander decks. I know the professor did a video on it recently and, you know, what the heck even is or are power levels in a singleton format. So we thought it would be a cool idea to to bring you on as someone that, at least from my point of view, uh, maybe Alk trapped you. I don't really know. Uh, <laughs> but at least from my point of view, you, you seem to have a really good understanding of you know, the competitive side of not just like Pauper Commander as a format, but as the game as a whole, Magic as a whole. So I think we're going to spend this week sort of diving deep into uh, casual versus high power versus competitive slash tournament settings, decks, that sort of thing. So um, I know you have plenty of thoughts on it, Bobby. If you want to go ahead and start us off here, we can, we'll just, uh, we, we plan to interrupt you with questions and comments. So uh, take it away. Definitely. And I guess I'll start with two disclaimers. One. Sure. Not trapped at all. I'm so excited to be here with you guys. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm, the ju- I'm really, I'm really excited that that you agreed to come out. I think that this is this yeah, is a I really super, super excited like big topic. This is something that like we as like you know experienced players and sort of representatives of the format get asked about a lot. And like I, I yes, always just kind of lot. like muddle through mm-hmm. a really half-assed response when I get asked about it. But like I'm I'm excited that we can like dive into it deeply here with you, who I do consider to be a very knowledgeable expert on on the idea of power levels. So I'm 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 really glad you're. Thanks yeah, for I, uh, getting trapped. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> um, and then my second disclaimer before we jump in, because I know this is hotly. You know, there's there's some hot takes maybe, or you know, there's lots to talk around it. Like. I guess I'm going in, everyone wants to win when they play Magic. I don't think Mm -hmm. anyone ever wants to sit down and like, I'm building my deck to not win or to lose. (laughs) So um, when I guess when we're like talking about different power levels, like everyone's going in with the same like, hey, I'm building my deck to win in whatever way that is. Sure. So just getting that out of the way to make it clear that not, you know. I don't know. I don't want to be this like negative thing because that's not really how I view it. So Oh, for sure, for sure. Uh, but yeah, so power levels. So I know it's been talked about on by a handful of people lately everywhere. And I, I'm i of the opinion that power levels kind of exist on a spectrum. There's been distinctions of like, you know, two or three different, you know, definitions or, you know, categories of power level. I think generally it's, you know, casual is like one end of the spectrum. There's this middle ground that's sometimes referred to as mid power or high power. And then there's the kind of opposite end of the spectrum, which is competitive or tournament, um, you know, proper commander. And so really the trick is how do we cut, you know, what are the cutoffs there? Are there cutoffs? Like how do you define those? Uh, And I think that's where the issue, like the, the trick is, I don't think there is a clear, okay, uh, you know, I, I think it's kind of ridiculous to have an idea of like, well, if this deck was three cards different, it would be, you know, <laughs> com- tournament competitive versus, you know, uh, high power. And then an additional three cards separates it from, you know, casual. Right. And like. Right. Right. Like that's, I, that's one of the things that I want to talk about is uh, this this cutoff, because I think. I, th- I feel like a lot of people, when, they, when they're when they new to the format and they first start, start asking this question, because it, it's not always, like, where's the cutoff? It's usually, like, 
hey, I, I'm, you know, I, I discovered this format three days ago, and I found a commander that I liked. Is this commander competitive? Right. And we're all like, yep. uh, kind of. <laughs> right. Like, it depends on how you build the deck, and it depends yeah. on how you Are play you the deck, and it, it right. depends on like a bunch of other stuff as well. Like, it's, you're, you're showing me one card, bud. Like, what do you want from me? Like, there's yeah. a lot of gray area here. Yeah, like, so, what are you playing against? What do you plan? Like, who are you playing against? What decks are you playing against? What do you want to do? Like, yeah, there's so much that yeah. goes into what is competitive is, I guess, one, like, overarching question. And so it's not like, you know, I, I agree with you guys. You know, it's it's really easy to give non-answers. Um, yeah. And to tiptoe around it. And this is this is one, like, the, the question that we are very deliberately, very explicitly not answering is where exactly is the cutoff between Correct. competitive right. and other things like competitive and high power competitive and casual like we're not going to say like this is this is it you know, like this this is the the categorical definition like we're not we're not here to talk about that Mm-mm. right nope. i think it would be a fruitless endeavor to try like i, don't, I think you'd go crazy I, trying to draw yeah that it'd line. probably be more of a disservice than anything okay like yeah. i feel like lots of people have tried to draw that line and i've just watched them go crazy over the over years yeah. like yeah. it seems like a yeah, bad and, fate and so many people like oh i don't like the the number rating you know for your deck i don't like that system so let's do a tier rating and you know someone else is like i don't like the tier rating let's rate it this way and it's like when you boil it down they're all ratings like you're still putting a value on what you think the power level of your deck is. Yeah, and when you get into that, you're, you know, bias happens, you know. I like comboing. <clears throat> I'm not going to, you know, if someone gives me an aggro deck, I'm going to be more dismissive of it than if it was a blue-green combo deck, you know. Sure. That's, <laughs> I know, like, that's just me. And, like, granted, I wouldn't be, like, you know, openly, like, oh, your deck's bad or anything. That's just, like, that's not a deck I would be looking to sleeve we're, up, We're going to be... We're going to be passive aggressively suggesting to you that your deck is bad. All right. Have you heard of Gretchen? Um, right. That's, that's right? it. That's the passive aggressiveness. It's yeah. right there. Um, but yeah, so like no. my, my Spirit Monger deck, I've played that four times and I've won three of the games. So I guess that's just a 10, right? Like, yeah, no, that's. Yeah. It's yeah, got to be. Tier zero, right? So, yeah. Well, um, I mean, I mean, it's, well, it's no, it's no so, Goblin Test Pilot, but it's up there. What's the win rate a deck has to have to get on CPDH battery? Like 25%? Something. 25% win rate after like 15 games? After 15 games, yeah. It's tier tier zero right there. There you go. See? Bingo. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so like I think, you know, everyone I would assume is in some sort of agreement that, hey, this is a really like tough question. There's no clear answer at the end of the day. So at least that's where I think I stand and I think you guys are similarly minded. So I won't put all the words in your mouth, but. Um, like when I think about it, I guess my first thing I think about is like the intent and that can be the intent of a lot of things. So like intent of what I want to do when I sit down and play a game with this deck. So that can be, you know, how I win, what I'm playing against the, you know, cause that'll change how I pick what I'm playing in the deck. Um, it also changes like how, like my play style, like, okay, I'm sitting down at, do I need to win fast? Do I need to be the control deck? All these different things that go into like, okay, as you're planning to sit down and play with a deck, what all are you taking into consideration and what is the ultimate end goal? And in my thought, you know, competitive slash tournament is win at any cost is kind of my thought. Like, you know, every decision I'm making is to win the game. However, that may be with my deck, you know, it varies, but 
you know, it's just efficiency at whatever cost. Whereas hype, so then kind of going to the other side of the spectrum, that middle ground, high power, mid power, same thing. You know, everyone's still focused on winning. Um, you know, maybe you're playing combos, you're still doing, you know, stuff fast, but maybe there's some more, uh, you know, favorite, you know, pet cards or, you know, um, wanting to do like things, uh, a specific type of way, like, um, or maybe like cards that just aren't as efficient, you know, whether mm-hmm. that's a, a cost thing or just, you know, I guess we're in pop or commander. So cost only, there are a handful of cards that matter cost wise, but, um, <laughs> you know, you just like, like a card or whatever, or you like doing something a certain way and maybe it's not like the most efficient way to do it, but you still win plenty and the deck's still good. Those kind of fall in that high power, mid power, range in my mind and then at the other end of the spectrum you get to casual and I, in my head those decks are more focused on quote doing the thing whatever that thing is you know yeah whatever you built it to do yeah and you know the end goal is still winning but like maybe you build a deck that's made to make a billion copies of a certain creature and you know like so you're like going out of your way to do that thing even if it means you know doing something that it doesn't you know, not stopping something else someone else should have done or, you know, whatever that may be. You're more focused on, you know, that particular aspect of the deck. Um, still wanting to win at the end of the day. So I guess what do you how do you guys feel about that? Like, does that disagree? Agree? I I, I think I 90 percent agree. Um, the, the, the one point of contention is is actually with your disclaimer that everyone wants to win they, when they play Magic. Like, when <laughs> when I build the deck at the extreme casual end of the spectrum, I I do not care whether or not I win. Like, I will build okay. a deck whose, whose purpose is to do the fun thing. And if doing the fun thing means that I die a lot doing it, then I am delighted having done it. Like, you know, I, I, I have a Noise Marine deck that just wants to cast Noise Marine a lot. <laughs> and, like... <laughs> do stupid math and then get big numbers and then like 80 percent of the 90 percent of the time i play this deck i do the big numbers and then i die like sometimes <laughs> yep sometimes sniff makes bad decisions about who he's attacking and i accidentally <laughs> steal a win from brad uh uh-huh. but most of the time i just get the big numbers and then i die and i'm overjoyed to to for that to happen like i think last week on the on the pre-show, I was I was describing a, a game where I I was with Gandalf, and I I had a first striking ring bearer that got that like three three life loss trigger, and then I flashed in birthday escape to move my ring bearer to a different creature that was also unblocked, and it got that three ring damage again. Like I lost that game, but I felt like I won. <laughs> like <laughs> hell yeah, you did the thing for sure. Right, like that's that's all. Like I. So, so on like I, I, I also I have some decks where I want to win. Like you know, Bird Horse wants to win. Like it's not trying to do anything cute or goofy or silly. It's it's trying to murder people in their face holes. Uh, yep. like, wow, all all of the face holes. All of the face holes. Just straight murderization. Eagles or <laughs> owls. Owls have shockingly dangerous talents, especially when they're <laughs> they seven, do. nine they don't flyers. Mess around. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like you know, Bird Bird Horse. Uh, uh, what's the other one? Vohar, these are decks that like want to win, and I'm I'm making decisions with my card choices that just reflect like wanting to win, and I I would categorize them as you know high power or competitive. Sure. So, like my casual builds, I kind of don't care whether or not they win. <laughs> that's no, that's that's totally fair. Yep. 
but no, I think uh, for the most part, I think I agree with you. Like, yeah, competitive. There, there's high power. I think I call it a little bit differently. Like, I call it just sort of like casually competitive. Like, yeah, I would. You know, we sit down, and that's typically what my Saturday streams are like. We all sit down. We all have the idea that one of us is going to win. Just who gets there first, and along the way, is my deck going to do the whole reason I built it? You know, like sort of battle cruiser magic, if you will. Um, and then casual, yeah, just yeah, I agree with Dave on the on the casual side of it. So, um, but for the most part, yeah, I'm right there with you. What do you think, Liam? Yeah, uh, when it comes to casual, I just I like to just have fun, make sure my deck's doing the thing. I don't want to have any non-games. That's a big thing for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I I was playing a casual game with Lobert uh, on Monday mm-hmm. that ended with um, someone had a someone played a Shepherd of Rot. Uh, Bill, too much too much to Bill. He oh, played okay. a Shepherd Loves of Rot. Zombies. And he had four zombies in play. So I I on Sivris. Every everyone everyone was at like between six and 12 life mm-hmm. so i played two more zombies and then i used <laughs> tidewater minion to untap his shepherd of rot oh so that he could God. tap it in response and just kill everyone <laughs> like that's that felt like winning to me <laughs> that, I did that's a win in my book yeah the game to end yeah, yeah. Felt, felt real good yeah, so yeah, think, for sure. So I guess that's yeah, I guess that's for it. So like doing the thing over winning, then. So I guess that's the maybe that's a better way to phrase it. Like winning happens, but you're more there for like the experience of the yeah, game. and like the stories two days later. Like yeah. oh, you won't believe like like Dave just now. Like you wouldn't believe how Bill won the game. You know, like the that sort of thing. Yeah, like. Yeah, no, that, I mean, that's how, like, when I started playing Commander, I guess it was very similar to that. You know, like, I wanted, like, I built, I'm thinking of, like, I had a Primal Surge deck that had, you know, there were, like, three spells in it. So, like, it was always going to hit <laughs> stuff. So Right. Uh, okay, so, yeah, so maybe the winning part, there's some disagreement on, but. Um, I, I feel I feel like the everyone wants to win is true of most people. I've just been, like, I've watched so much Pals that I'm, like, brain rotted you just hate winning is what <laughs> i it do is. see here's my thing is is whether or not people want to admit it when you sit down to play any game whether it's it's magic or a board game or a different card game altogether the goal is that the game ends and in most games that there are exceptions but in most games, the way that a game ends is there is a winner. And mm-hmm. most actions you will be taking in the game will progress you to being the winner. So whether people want to admit it or not, in the case of Magic the Gathering, when, when you sit down to play a game, no matter how casual you're playing, you are playing to win. But there's a mindset about how you get there. And I think casual mindset is, are you doing the thing your deck wants to do? Like, the game's gotta end. Uh, yeah, I guess in casual, you care... <laughs> so, we can... I, I, I think like... removing winning from the casual discussion is disingenuous. Unless, oh, for sure. Unless yeah. your name is uh, Mr. Alcatron. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, like my thing with casual is, like, when I sit down to a an actual casual game, like, I understand that the game is going to end. I'm just not super concerned with 
pushing myself to be that winner. Exactly. With, there is going to be a winner. I, I don't care. It's going to end sometime. Yeah, exactly. You don't care about the when it ends. You don't care about the how it ends. I mean, I, I care about the when. I don't want it to be turn three. Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I guess yeah, that's like the <laughs> opposite. Twenty-seven. Yeah. Like, that's the exact like, opposite. Like of... after turn five, turn six. Like let's get past turn six, right? And then then we can start making the big swings. But yeah, exactly. Like you know, the, the game has to end, right. and there will be a winner. But who it is and when it happens after turn six, I I don't care. So as I think long, as long as everyone gets to do their thing. So yeah, so I guess we'll touch on casual then, and then build up the spectrum, I guess, or across the spectrum, however we look at mm-hmm. it. So like we're, we're kind of since we're talking about you know winning is not the priority number one. It's kind of how I view it. Sure. But, um, exactly. Yeah. It's built around doing whatever. Uh, one thing that you guys just talked about, which is you know as someone who has been mainly competitive PDH focused as of late, that has been. Maybe not eye opening, but interesting is caring about how other people, you know, view what you're doing. You know, you want to be, you want to have a game where everyone's getting the chance to do the thing. Everyone has fun. You're not that guy, you know? Um, and right. that kind of comes in with like, I guess, unfun cards. I think I asked <laughs> a few people at RAW, and I think, you know, uh, Dave, I think you were one. I was like, you know, what, what a, what cards should I not be playing if I want to play, you know, more casual <laughs> games? And I think the number one answer was Oubliette. Yes. Uh, <laughs> surprise, surprise. And then, like, you know, the fast, infinite, you know, turn two or turn three combos or the two-card combos that are easy to assemble. Or, you know, I wouldn't bring Floodgate to a casual game if I wanted to, you know, walk away with friends. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I thought Floodgate was pretty fun. It was different. I guess it would depend on uh, how many other blue creature decks are sitting at the table. Uh, True. <laughs> sure. But, yeah, like, creating, like, a fun environment for everyone is kind of, I guess, the the maybe number one priority. Like, making sure everyone gets a chance to do their thing and have fun. Have the story. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, that's super... I think that's super relevant now, very important now, is because, you know... I. Unless you have a dedicated in-person play group, the majority of, you know, Popper Commander gets played on spell table through webcam, you know, online, that sort of thing. So I think that that communication that I don't want to say setting boundaries, but, you know, just talking to your to this new friend you just made, you know, you've never met him before, but just sort of talking about your decks and what what you got going on. I think that's a really good spot to start. And I think that's sort of what at least going into the game, you know, unless you've established beforehand, like. I need three people for an uber competitive pod. Like most people are going to going to, if they just hop in a random pod, they're going to sort of expect it to be on not, 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 not necessarily the casual side, but sort of that in between field, I think. Right. I think that, that I think the, the, the tricky part is there's so much in the, in, but like, I can't think there's of so much, one at the know. end of, you know, end of spectrum, but like that in between is such a big area too, you know, mm-hmm. in my head, in my head, but this is just how, because of where I've played and what I've been playing, like, I think of the more, like, competitive end of it, but, like, there's just as much, you know, right in the middle or more towards the casual end of this, like, middle ground. And so, my thought, like, this is obviously the trickiest one to try to figure out, okay, how, how do you find, like, when does a deck fall into, like, this middle 
ground area and why is Mm -hmm. it not just every deck at the end of the day sure um my thought and this is something that's come up more recently as tournaments like i I know dallas walker in philadelphia kind of like spearheaded the first pdh tournaments that i'm aware of um and then you know the sanctuary stuff the rw thing um so yeah so like there's a, a time component that's newer um and being mindful of that you know when you're thinking casual games they can go on hours sometimes. Sometimes they're quick and they're over, you know, short. But I remember back in my first few games playing Tadiova Mirrors, and oh. those were <laughs> those would last three hours. So like, sure. Uh, in tournaments, you don't ha- have that luxury. Um, so you have to like have a mind for okay. Not only do I need to win, I need to win within ninety minutes, while also making sure other people are, are you know being handled or doing their thing. Right. Um, so I think in that kind of middle ground, the time component isn't as much of an issue. It's not something that's considered, maybe. Um, whereas when you're looking at competitive, that's a bigger consideration um, that comes into play. Um, like I look at uh, Tormod and Ghost of Ramirez, for example. Like that deck's great, has answers to everything, but it is slow as slow can be, and yeah. so. I haven't seen it played much recently. I know some people are playing it here and there, but I think that deck is one that can be like a victim of like, Hey, you know, it's very strong. It's built competitively, but can it win fast enough? I don't know. Um, Right. Yeah. And that's like, um, my, my OG deck. Like I love it. It's potent. It's a good deck, but it's a two hour deck. Like I've never win or lose. I've never played that deck in a pod that lasted less than two hours. Yeah. So I know that I'm never, Unless I drastically alter the deck, I'm never going to take it into a competitive setting. And to your point, too, that's that's a good thing to think about because, you know, we've had Saturday streams where game one lasted three hours and everybody else, you know, all the players were like, yeah, I'd love a game, too, but we just don't really have that much time. So I went, you know, looked at my decks and I thought, what's a what do I have that's a 30 minute deck? Like, what can I win or lose? What can I play in 30 minutes and be done with? And, you know, I was able to figure out two or three decks that I had that that'll do their thing or not do their thing and just lose, but the game will be over super fast. Right. And I think that's, yeah, like the time component is probably the most interesting thing. And it's, it really has only come up because of tournaments. Like, and I mean, it comes up because, you know, I used to love a good three hour game of commander as much as the next person, (laughs) but as you know times change people uh you know time is more of a you know we don't maybe have as much or you know especially when you know interacting with people online and you know time zone differences and whatnot like yeah mindfulness of time becomes more and more of a thing so i think that amount and and it's in consideration for every deck but it's it's so much higher on a priority list for competitive than kind of the mid mid middle ground in the casual decks in my opinion uh, the i guess the only other thing you know the big distinction i would have between like competitive and kind of the middle gray area the high power mid power casually competitive whatever you want to call it mm-hmm. uh, is the decks that you're anticipating playing against so this kind of ties into you know there's been talk about you know hey I, you, know, you know you think of competitive decks i guess like you know you think gut tadiova gretchen um, you know, Abdel, there's a billion of them. Right. Um, when you're building another competitive deck or a deck to take out a tournament, you have to think about those decks. Like, 
you're anticipating playing against those. So you're building your removal suite to handle them. You're building your counter suite, your interaction, uh, and also planning how you win around the stuff they those decks play. When you're kind of in that more middle ground, sometimes you think about that some, sometimes you think about not at all. You know, it, it varies. But I, I, I guess the real thing is there, you know, tying back to intent. Competitive, you're doing it. Winning at all costs is kind of where I still fall back sure. to. It's like oh, every, yeah, everything I'm doing is to anticipate it. You know, that's that kind of leads to, I know, a question Dave was really interested in. And I'm, I've seen and I'm sure everyone's seen here in some fashion is how that changes when you're mixing decks with different power levels in games. Um, you know, because if you're building a deck with a certain pool of decks or cards in mind you know it's going to play a lot differently when you're not playing at those decks you have in mind um so you know that varies you know we can talk about competitive versus high power competitive versus casual casual versus mid power Mm -hmm. all the different combinations and i i think my experience and i'll I'll kick it to you guys because i want to know how you guys feel Weird stuff happens in those games. Um, oh, super weird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I've seen it. I think most, in almost every game I've been in, like, just really unexpected stuff happens. Stuff, you know, stuff you don't expect to happen happens. And it's for everyone involved, you know. Um, yeah. I, yeah I mean, it, it, it doesn't take a lot for a unique sort of, like, mid-power or unique brew to really throw off a competitive table. Not that it's going to win necessarily, but to, to sort of throw off the other three players like with what they're, they're bringing to the table. Right, a thousand so, percent. I want to I get very briefly into this, but uh, the, the disclaimer I want to throw out here first is that I, I'm going to mention some decks that I think are played very with competitive intentions, but whose commanders and card selection is uh, on a on a sort of different power level than what I usually think of as competitive. So like this isn't if you if you recognize yourself from these stories, this is not me insulting you. I love your decks. I love what <laughs> yes, your decks 100%, did. Yeah. Like with me 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 being really impressed at what your decks did to other high tier competitive decks. Please please think of this as praise. Um, I watched a game once with uh. I think it was I know it was Crash and Mentir both on Tetiova and there was a third person also on Tetiova. I don't remember Oof. if it was Yalaran. I think it was Yalaran. And Blake showed up to this competitive pod with Sir Conrad. Mhm. <laughs> and uh like it was this bizarre like Mexican standoff between these <laughs> Tetiova decks who were all just like standing around like they all had like interaction they all had counter spells they all had control pieces they're they're you know uh, tamio's completion probably hadn't been printed yet but they all had yeah they had all of their their interaction their removal their control and none of them were spending it on conrad because they all knew that the other ones were like close to combo and they needed to hold up all their interaction so conrad was just sitting there like while these in the middle of this mexican standoff with all three of these tetiovas just like you know staring each other down for turns conrad was just like running around like a goblin like <laughs> shanking shanking them in the kneecaps <laughs> like he he got this loop established where nice he was visual. like he would every every turn he was casting a, his stinkweed imp and then he was sacrificing it to spark reaver 
and dredging the the imp back instead of the draw for the oh. um the the spark reaver mm -hmm. so he was gaining life and dealing like three or four damage a turn to everyone off of this and like it was he won uh he won wow. the game like he uh like he got everyone low enough that like one person was you know basically dead and uh in response to what would have been their death they cracked their relic well, he had like 13 creatures in his graveyard, which oh, is 13 no. Conrad triggers. And he just <laughs> took the rest of the table with him. And like the other Tetiovas tried to fight it by like half comboing by putting like six lands into play to try and gain life off Tetiova. And it just wasn't enough. Like oh, they, just, no. they just died. And it was the funniest thing I've ever seen. And like I think of this Conrad deck as, you know, high power. But watching watching the way the entire dynamic of the multiplayer system shifted when you had three like really potent combo decks that have to keep each other in line mm -hmm. and this one like I'm gonna eat creatures at your faces just like deck <laughs> like not not playing by their rules and just like smashing them up. <laughs> Like it was, it was wild to experience. So, uh, yeah, I will, I will go in on this. Uh, the answer, the answer is when you mix these power levels, is really funky stuff happens, and I love that. I'm all about mixing these power levels. I think it's fantastic. I am too. Like you, you said it perfectly. Like, just does not play against or does not play with those rules. Like, right. It, that's perfect. And you see it all the time in sixty card formats where you'll have this high tuned, you know, rock paper scissors meta, and then like once a week twice a week there'll just be some brew that comes in and dominates for like 36 hours because all the top tier decks are, are fighting against each other they're tuned against each other they're sideboarded to fight the meta where this one deck just comes in and it's like i'm tuned to fight all three of you so until you figure this out i'm just gonna wreak havoc on the entire format right <laughs> so and it's awesome to see it usually doesn't last very long because they figure it out real quick but it is it is a sight to see and i think you know i think you know, it's interesting we talk about feel like caring about how other people feel in casual. Mm -hmm. um, it kind of comes into play with, <laughs> in a very similar way in competitive. We're talking about competitive too in this because, granted, so Sir Conrad, I think, I agree, kind of like in the high power range. So, like, I don't think it's if I sat down against Sir Conrad, I wouldn't like be like, oh, you know, I have no idea what I'm getting into here. Um, or this can't be a competitive game, but there's also like a, a feeling, you know, I think this ties into like the rule zero discussion that is so big in commander in general. Everyone just needs to make sure they're on the same page when they sit down to play because competitive players, you know, if they're worried about a tournament, for example, or they're worried about some event, like I enjoy playing fun games, you know, I'll play whatever, but if I'm worried about a tournament, you know, maybe I don't want to sit a down and just play against a deck that's just helmed by Rogue Rock and just Rogue Rock. I don't know. That's just my off the wall example I came up with. Sorry if I'm offending someone, but uh, <laughs> like you know, I you want to play against decks that are aiming to do some. You know, even if it's high power, mid power, competitive. Like, want everyone to be playing towards the same part, like with the same end goal in sight. I guess. I don't remember who asked it, but like, if, you know, what happens if you gave, uh, who asked the question about like, what happens if you just gave Tadiova to like pals, the pals? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that was Dave for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like, 
what what would that game look like if you gave him like an is it guild mage a tatiova and a gretchen or you know like <laughs> yeah right <laughs> like was... the competitive lists I, I don't doubt they would still be you know fun game you know i i i think they would be super fun i i i think probably what happens is this is this is what i was writing about earlier i think mm-hmm. i think liam mentioned that i made him choke on his drink my my expectation, if you hand a bunch of uh, high tier competitive decks to the pals like Tatiova, I think I think someone is gonna try to copy uh, Arcane Denial with their with their <laughs> Is It Guild Mage. Like I think they're gonna cast Arcane Denial on something innocuous and then copy uh-huh. it three times and just target their copies just so they can draw a bunch of cards. <laughs> um, I think that whoever's playing Tatiova is just gonna ramp. Until they get six mana, so they can cast Shoreline Ranger, Ranger yeah. and beat people to death. Uh, I think that whoever plays Gretchen is just going to attack with their land on Tappers because no one will have blockers. Yeah, I think like <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I think that they would have a magnificent time. I yeah. I'm not sure that this would be a competitive game, uh, right. but I I think I think someone would one of them would in the middle of game they would cash in some of their own channel points to put a might stone onto the field yep according to their channel rules and then someone would make it plain chase and the whole game would be ruined forever and it would be perfect it would be perfect and that's why that's why they have the pals meta like that's why they have their own thing their own meta their own sort of mindset like it doesn't really fall into any of these and they're all fantastic magic players like they could sit down you know like sniff played in the tournament like they could sit down with any of these decks and do work (laughs) <laughs> but like what they do within their own group is something that doesn't really exist anywhere else and it's really just kind of artwork you know yeah. yeah sniff sniff played in the tournament and like held down the gretchen player with the correct removal at the correct times yeah when yeah. liam stole the game it was fantastic <laughs> absent falconer coming in strong uh it's beautiful yeah, um, it was. I actually wanted to mention pals pals meta specifically here because uh, in response to this is it came up uh, a while ago something Bobby said and I I wrote down a response but he was he was going and I didn't want to interrupt him he mentioned uh, one of the one of the tenets of casual is making sure everyone has fun by making sure that every deck gets to do their thing and I think that the, the kind of the standard issue way that a lot of casual decks or casual players or casual games approach this idea is that like you want to be kind of light on removal because if you're if you're putting removal everywhere all the time then then you're the fun police and that's not letting other people's decks do their thing yeah and like i I do have a deck a couple casual decks that i think are casual that are fairly removal heavy but like they're, they're they're like fun silly removal like hateful eidolon uses like dead weight as its removal and i'll like i'll kill your mana dork and draw a card but uh-huh. i'm not gonna like kill your engine right right so like exactly. i can you can you can do that a little bit with casual i think the thing that i wanted to bring pals meta into is that like you know standard issue casual is going to do this by going kind of light on removal pals meta casual is going to do this aggressively by just ceaselessly yeeting resources at everyone all the time. All the time. They're gonna they're gonna play Non-stop. veteran veteran explorer. They're gonna force you to put eight lands from your deck into play on turn four. <laughs> they're gonna play humble defector. They're gonna force you to draw 
two they're gonna well between the humble defectors and the howling golems they're gonna force you to draw two or three or five extra cards every turn cycle they're gonna yeah. eat the how the the marching duodrones constantly you will never run out like you're gonna have 12 cards in your hand and you'll be able to cast eight of them yeah like, because of all the treasures yep. right so like pals meta is on a different level of casual it's not just like let people do the thing it's force people to do the thing and, yeah force uh, them to do the thing or they die right yeah the other the other sub point i wanted to make about letting people do the thing is you have to be you have to be very kind of cautious about what the thing is like if you're sitting down next to a tatiova and you're like i want to see what this deck does i'm gonna let the tatiova deck do its thing like the tatiova deck doing its thing ends the game yes and then no 100%. one else gets to do their thing like that is what it is built to it's, do it's very different from like getting a double ring trigger with a stupid gandalf flash birthday escape it's right. it's different from like you know how many times can i bring triarch praetorian out of my graveyard before i kill myself like right <laughs> it's uh, so you know, and, like this is, this is another thing that just separates I think the casual decks from the competitive decks is like, if I, if I let this deck do its thing, am I going to be entertained or irritated that the game just ended instantly? Right. So like, yeah, those are the, those are the two little sub points I wanted to make about the really excellent point that Bobby made. Yeah. And I think it's really good to be able to identify what that thing is like, why you built the deck, what's the thing, quote-unquote, thing you want your deck to do. Because that took me a long time to realize, like, when I first, when I played Risen Reef, that was, like, all I played for months was just Risen Reef because I loved it. And the thing that Risen Reef wanted to do was just drop multiple lands every turn, cast mm -hmm. creatures, and that's what I was doing. So every game my deck did the thing, but it had no real win con. Like, it just sort of got boring after a while, if that makes sense. Like, it was constantly mm -hmm. doing the thing. But mm -hmm. by the time mm -hmm. it did its thing, like, the whole table was full of creatures and I couldn't get through. Like, I just had creatures. Like, it was not uncommon for me to go through 50, 60, 70 cards in the deck and still lose. Like, it just, that's just what happened. So oftentimes it did the thing. I just didn't, like, I knew that that's the thing I wanted the deck to do. I just didn't look beyond that. And sometimes that can be an issue unless that's just exactly what you're going for basically right and like, so yeah. it just took me a while to understand that the thing is different from being successful or separating it from being victorious if you will mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. so if the thing is anything other than i guess competitive there's never a thing that is different than win so right doing the thing is getting the w right doing the thing means game over Yes. Yeah. Yep. So really, really, this all breaks down to what is the thing, and that's how you can help figure out what where your deck falls. If the answer is win, you're somewhere near the competitive side. If it's yeah. anything else, not so much. But yes. well, uh, I, I, you know, I like I mean, that. I like that rating scale. Like you know, you sit down to a pod and you're like, "What's your thing?" <laughs> like my thing's to win. Okay, yeah. now I know where I stand. I, I don't know that I'd say anything else because if the thing is stacks. I'm going to walk away. <laughs> the thing is Phyrexian Sensor. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, yeah. I will refrain from my jokes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't need to be walked into that trap, too. Um, Do it. Oh. Um, but, um, no, I, I think, like, at the end of the day, I think those, like, as someone who admittedly has not played much in the form of kind of casual PDH, like, 
I've learned a lot. Like RIW was enlightening. Like I said, talking to, you know, Sniff, Dave, Brad, uh, Leah. I mean, every everyone, you know, there. Like uh, even Paul, who you know crushed the tournament, mm-hmm. would not you know describe himself as a competitive player. I would think so. And watching, you know, watching those games unfold, you know, the the games on the side, not at the tournament, you know, it was fun. And like, I, I, it made me realize I miss, uh, you know, the regular commander games I used to play. And sure. now I can just like, you know, scratch that itch by get jumping in some more games, uh, without, you know, my blue combo decks at my side. So, yeah. Uh, I told Dave actually just the other day that, you know, I'm a big fan of the Triarch Praetorian deck. And I'm thinking about, uh, Damagoth Woe Eater as my, uh, pseudo nice i have looked at that one for a while yeah kind of doing the graveyard flicker shenanigans with it so we'll see how that goes but i'm excited about it yeah for sure but yeah i guess like any other like i don't know if you guys have any other thoughts on the the differences or how they all when they mix what happens i think that was a good not really no i mean sort of on the flip side of it like if even if by accident or on purpose or whatever, if you happen to be the one that brings a Tatiova to a casual table, like you're <laughs> that you know, you're gonna stick out much more than a casual table at a competitive table. For what it's worth okay. though, just so we talked about intent, you know, like if you gave those decks to the pals, how would they play them? I think there is room for if you go in not wanting to be that guy, I guess, is the the key here. Mm-hmm. You could take a competitive deck and go play at a like a you know casual table, and I think you can play in a way that can still be you know considered like you know casual. Like, you know, it it's harder with some decks. I won't lie. Like you know, uh, I guess Tadiova's a hard one, maybe. To, but to this point, I the the last time I mailed uh, some decks to the pals, I. I included some decks that I thought were at the right at the high power level, like squarely in the in the middle of high power. I sent them Mar Marhalt Els Dragon, which I think is aggro enough to to hold its own at sure. at comp tables, and uh, Amber Veteran Soldier, which again just hyper aggro berserk tier. Oh, like if yeah. it if it yeah. if it finds itself at a table with a bunch of really slow decks and no one's on floodgate, I think that Amber, <laughs> Amber <laughs> no Soldier on can, floodgate can just annihilate some people like real fast. <laughs> Um, and I, I sent these decks to the pals because I was like, this is a a super combat heavy meta where they start at forty life. Like, I want to see I want to see what the pals do with these like really high powered decks. And they they played them and they had a super fun time. They they fit right in with the pals pals Sweet. decks. Which I mean, I, awesome. some some people are going to listen to this episode and they're going to say pals meta is competitive. Like, they're they're a lot closer <laughs> than you think. And I'm going to say, yeah, I think I think maybe yeah, you're right. You could definitely make an argument for that. Yeah, yeah. It's you know, and true. I think you know what you were saying earlier, Bobby, about communication. I think that's super important. I, granted, I'm slanted. I'm biased towards PDH, but I feel like they're because of the nature of the format itself, there's a lot more unknowns in PDH. Not not specific cars, but just the format as a whole is unknown. Like, in EDH, you know, if you walk to a, a table of strangers or a pod of strangers and you tell them what commander you're playing, they're going to be like, oh, okay, cool. Like, I, I generally know what that one does, yada, yada, yada. But PDH, like, you could walk up there with any uncommon creature ever, and 
there's a good chance that you know the players aren't going to know what it does unless you walk up with a tetiova or a gut or whatever you know some popular busted commander but that's where i think the communication is super important because there's so many variables in our format there's so many unknowns in this format yeah, you could sit down at a table with a floodgate and uh, play a Steeler Secrets on turn three, and people think right. you're playing, you know, <laughs> cards you found on the way in. So, yeah, like you picked them up; they're they're just on a trail, like breadcrumbs from R.I.W. to the Flaming Juicer, and you just picked them up along the way. Exactly. I, right. I love this example, but I I feel like uh, you're better off using Thieving Otter than Steeler Secrets because okay. it's three thousand percent more cute. That's fair. It's not as good as whole damn thing, Floodgate. It's not as good as Ninetale White Fox, but it's close. It's the only thing that comes close. Yeah. Well, I guess Mischievous Cat Guys comes close, but it's not a common. Right. I think, Brad, tying to your point, you know, the other thing about PDH, and the reason why this conversation, I think, is trickier in PDH than it is in Commander, we're using all commons. We have one uncommon, maybe two, in the command zone. The power level is just so much closer you know, like there's not as wide a variety. Like, we don't get to play Soul Ring, Mana Vault, Mana Crypt, you know, and <laughs> right. do super degenerate things on turn one or two, you know, sometimes, I guess. But, like, that's every game with CDH decks. Like, when you're talking Popper Commander, like, the, the power gap level gap between casual and competitive, like, it's a lot closer than casual edh versus cdh i think yeah. um, no, and I, that's just to the nature oh, i can believe that I, sure i can definitely agree with that because as as casual as falconer adept is right i i had worked with people who were more familiar with the competitive scene to tune the deck for the meta for decks i could expect and so i i definitely had pieces in the deck that were useful against gut leader or gretchen or uh, even Abdel, which I ended up not playing against. But, you know, Falcon Adept, for all intents and purposes, is a more casual commander. There are certainly better options I could have played uh, if all I wanted to do was make flying tokens. But, you know, I sit down in the CEDH tournament, I can't take just any EDH deck, even if I tuned it with competitive, competitive staples and fast mana, like, Right. There's like you can you can do as much tuning as you want in EDH, but some decks just have a ceiling that is nowhere near the floor of competitive. But the the there is significantly more more overlap in PDH. Yeah, and that's kind of what I was gonna say too. Is like a I feel like a casual PDH deck has a better chance at a competitive PDH table than a casual EDH deck does at a CEDH table. If that makes sense. A yeah, thousand percent. So, I feel like I derailed us. I'm not sure where we were, but yeah, that's <laughs> that was my whole thing. It's just communication. You know, sometimes I'll I'll sit down in one of my Saturday streams and I'll play a well known commander, but I'll have to say no, I, I'm not. You know, I'm playing a jank version of this commander. Like, there's no combos in here. I'm not doing crazy stuff. Like, I just wanted to brew it because it's in the colors I like, and I kind of like the it's ETB or or what have you. So, com- communication works both directions too. Yeah, and I. Yeah, communication is like a whole, whole. You go on a whole, have a whole another episode or two about oh, communication sure. yeah. in games and before games and all that. But yeah, I think it's been interesting. You know, we talk about how this has been hotly, ta- you know, debated recently. 
conversation mid-game has been talked about, you know, there's a lot of interesting kind of like theory stuff about PDH that's kind of at the top of people's minds right now. It's really... Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's getting a lot of exposure. Yeah, it's an interesting time to be talking about the format. Yeah, and I feel like a lot of this too, you know, th this could be like a whole third episode in this series of of what we're talking about, but like a lot of it is the the pilot of the deck. Like you know, I would say in in round 1 of the RIW event, Bobby, you played Floodgate like it was a 9. Like like you said from turn 1, it was just like you just sort of had it the whole game and you were just waiting to get the official win on that whereas if you gave me that deck, I would play it like it's probably like a four. Like I just don't play that style. I don't. I don't know that commander well. I, I would mess up the timing on it. You know, all that sort of thing. So I think a lot of it is like you even have in the show notes here. A lot of it comes down to pilot skill, format knowledge, card knowledge, meta knowledge when it comes to deck like that. So that's a whole separate like conversation to be had but that's a harder one that's, that's a more nebulous thing too you, you know you can't sit down at a pod and be like well my deck's a seven but i'm a two so it's like a three and a half um mm -hmm. you know you can't really have those conversations but i think it's something that you you need to understand because sure i can pick up a tatiova but i'm gonna play it like it's a risen reef or something you know if that makes sense apparently that means it's good though so right um <laughs> uh, yeah no i agree like it, it kind of ties back to like that intent thing, you know, it, it kind of intent runs through all of this in some type of way, but like, yeah, you have to know, I've talked to puzzle box, for example, I know you guys had him on here recently. Um, mm -hmm. you know, we've been talking a lot about like knowing your role at the table and, for sure. you know, that changes based on the table. You know, we, we haven't really touched on pod composition other than like, you know, mixed power levels but like that comes to play with archetypes too you know that's a consideration you know uh, sometimes you know the tatiova player is the beatdown deck with the shoreline ranger you know <laughs> and, um, right right yep. <laughs> i've seen mentor win games like that after <laughs> after in, in a pot of four combo decks where everyone else's combo had been exiled and he was like shoreline rangers a three four flyer let's go <laughs> right let's do this tatiova turns sideways too you know so T tatiova knows only war <laughs> um, but yeah so like there's there's like that you know knowing knowing what role you have to play when in a game knowing what removal you need to use when and what you need to be worried about like all of that comes into play in all of this too and plays you know into the okay where does my deck fall on this spectrum conversation right. so yeah there is a lot of considerations and i knew like like dave said earlier like we're there, there's just going to be questions in this episode we're not going to answer either a because we don't want to be responsible for those answers <laughs> and b because you can't answer them like uh -huh. you know they just sort of are what they are it is what it is as they say and it's frustrating at times especially for a new player i totally understand that but there are you'll find how to talk to other players even if you've never talked to them before or never sat down to a pod with them before like you'll find ways to communicate what you're trying to do or what they're trying to do or what they expect expectations from the table is a big big deal as well i feel like i think not answering the questions too one i think it gives something for people to figure out which is good um you know people some people want to be just handed something but there's something to figuring out yourself but two, yeah. it, it's more mm -hmm. welcoming to the like, and more encouraging to people who are jumping in. You know, like 
Yeah, there are decks. If someone asks about a particular commander, I'm going to be like, you know, in my head, okay, yeah, I don't think it's probably going to hold its own, but like maybe I'm missing something, right? Like, sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like the, I don't think there's a lot of benefits like putting it down. I think there's a better way to address things. Like, hey, you know, no one's, you know, hey, no one's really built this deck or hadn't seen much competitive play, or you know, hey, you know, that's kind of like this, which has seen play. Maybe look in that. Or, you know, I think the second you start saying this is this is not this, this is not competitive, this is casual, and like some people have labels associated with those words, you know, and view them one way or the other, negatively or positively, depending on which one, you know, and I don't necessarily like that attitude um, and that right. dynamic that comes from that. So I, I'm i a big fan of the non, non-direct non answer when it comes to these kinds of conversations as well, while yeah. having in my own head probably, like, distinctions in my head that, like, when I see a commander, what I think, but, you know... That varies right. person to person. So yeah, and you know, like to your point, I the whole time I played Risen Reef, granted I didn't like sit down and like try to make it super competitive, but I couldn't ever get it really past like if you want to use a number scale, I couldn't get it past like a six. But I didn't like blast Twitter in the home base going Risen Reef's terrible. You can't make this deck good. Blah blah <laughs> blah blah blah. Like if anyone asked me about it, I just said I couldn't get it to the point where I wanted it to be. But I'm sure there's somebody out there that can, and then. Six months later, you know, it gets top forward in a 44-person tournament. Like, right. clearly it's possible. I wasn't out there bad-mouthing it. I just knew that I, for for the way I designed decks, I could not get it past that level, past a certain level. Right. And there may be so. some people who can just, you know, pilot a ham sandwich to, you know, oh, greatness. And yeah. That's Dave. <laughs> power That's to Dave, them. for sure. He'll eat the freaking ham sandwich while smacking your face with it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this isn't, that wasn't me calling Risen Reef a ham sandwich, let me be clear. But oh, no, 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 for sure. More so, you know. <laughs> that that ham sandwich top forward uh, R.I.W. It certainly did. Yeah. Uh, oh, good but, stuff. Uh, I guess that's that's my piece and kind of feelings on the the power levels argument. Hopefully, I didn't say anything that's going to catch me a ton of heat. Who knows? Mm-mm. We'll see. No, I think you covered it pretty. It's the lawyer in you. You, you know how to you know how to present an argument and what you, you know, taking heat answer. right for all of the things <laughs> that we say today is the that's why you're here. That's we talked about this when I trapped you into yeah. coming on to today's episode. That's the yeah. that's the whole point of you. Because we, you know, even before then, we were like, we want to do this topic. And Dave was like, we need a scapegoat. And I'm like, all right, exactly. cool. That sounds great to me. I think if uh, the, the Rogue Rock player is going to be the one that gets mad at me. But other than that, <laughs> I think I did a good job. So. Wait, yeah. who's, who's going to get mad? I missed it. Whoever plays just Rogue Rock as their commander. Oh. I think that was my oh. one jab I made. But yeah. yeah. We'll just, just Roger, no partner? Yeah. Beautiful. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> oh. So, yeah, we do actually have a couple of listener questions this week, but I think before we go get in there, I just, my, my takeaway is just have a conversation. You know, even if you've never talked to the people you're about to play with, just spend 45 seconds and ask, you know, ask one or two questions and expect to answer one or two questions about the game, about your decks, about what you plan to do. And generally, you're going to be, be pretty fine. Like the first time I ever played with whales, we didn't have this, oh, what is your deck? Is it a seven or a two or whatever? You know, we didn't have these conversations. Like, we fired up Spell Table. He got on camera, and he said, you know, I've never been on one of your Saturday streams. 
uh, what do you guys typically play? And I sort of like, I was still brand new at streaming. I'd only been doing it a few weeks. So I still like kind of fumbled around with the answer. And he's like, better question. How much removal do you guys normally play? And that like clicked a light on over my head. Like, that's a really good question to ask people. You know, how much interaction are you playing? How much removal are you playing? Like those things are in my mind anyway, are like defining factors of how cutthroat your deck is designed to be basically. Yeah. I think that's a pretty good, like a good, like, doesn't work all the time, but like sure. over mm-hmm. most of the time, it'll get you there. I think so. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's a perfect. You know, you don't have to ask that exact question every single time, but I thought that was a good starting point for two people that had never played before. You know, just to sort of like a good starting point, basically. Yeah. So it's all about communication. We don't need any numbers. What do you think, Liam? Is everything a seven? Everything is most definitely a seven. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, Nothing wrong with that. Everything's been a seven for years. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what <laughs> as, else has been. As is tradition. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, Dave or Liam, did you guys have anything else you wanted to add to the conversation? I know I uh, stole a lot of it, but no, you're good. Um, I'm I'm just sitting back, so I can't get any of the hate when people want to disagree with me. <laughs> <laughs> um, the true I, winner. Excellent. Of, that's that's the competitive play in today's episode. See? There you go. Right there. Um, right there. <laughs> no. Uh, he possumed this whole episode. The the way that I like to approach this topic overall and just get people thinking is Mm -hmm. um i like to tell them that i i think about these things in terms of mindsets uh as we've already said there's a lot involved between the deck itself and the contents uh the pilot their knowledge and skill of their own deck and the the present meta uh the pod composition that you sit down for each round and the skill of each players so with all these things that are, are very hard to measure and objectify i just like to say it's the mindset if if all of these things are done with a casual mindset of you're just there to do the thing you're playing casual if all of these things are done with a competitive mindset like playing in a 1k you're playing competitive if it's a mix as in you know someone sits down you know it's a group of friends someone sits down with hyper casual ornithopter someone sits down with hyper competitive (laughs) golem and two people sit down with kind of in between you're somewhere in the middle, but it's a group of friends. So right, yep. It honestly, the the whole trying to quantify all this, all, all, you know, power levels and decks and and cards, like it just gets tiring. It can't be done. <laughs> As a person yeah, who likes can't. numbers and statistics and data, I've I've read almost every article there is about this, even from content creators I don't like or don't agree with, and. I, it just it cannot be done <laughs> yeah and thankfully unless i've just happened to avoid it the whole time thankfully i don't think we have a lot of the uh what is your deck you know questions in no. pdh usually we, it's just you know we, we get what, more, who's your commander we yeah. get the more comprehensive questions of how much removal are you running what right. tone do you expect this game to end you know or ooh, i've never seen that commander what does that do uh, you yeah. know and you sort of have to like give them a spiel and you're good to go yeah so you got anything else, Dave? You want to throw in there? Uh, just good conversation. Sort of reemphasizing the things that Liam said, I think that there's there's an enormous amount of this, and I, I think like whenever this, whenever this conversation or similar ones pop up on Discord or Reddit or someplace, I feel like the the, the focus of those conversations is all on card choice. Like what what did you choose for your commander? How much you know, yeah? What, how much interaction are you running? Like how many how many of those things are like the really good counter spells? 
like all that sort of thing and i feel like that's such a narrow view of this as i mean and i'm not saying anything that hasn't been said three times already in the episode mm -hmm. i just really sure. want to emphasize this there's so much more happening here that makes it so much more of a gray area like we said oh, people's so everyone's everyone's intentions pod composition player skill like there's you know there's a lot there and th there's there are really good reasons why we brought this topic onto our show and then very uh, stalwartly refused to answer it for you. Um, <laughs> yeah, there are reasons. Reasons behind yeah, that. Yeah. Those reasons is we're all cowards. It could uh, be. Well, that's okay. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I'm not, I'm not a competitive <laughs> podcaster. I'm a casual <laughs> podcaster. <laughs> C, the C in CPDH is, is for coward. I thought it was yes. for crab, but <laughs> I was wrong. Oh, cowards, awesome. cowards can't block warriors. Yep. That's right. They cannot. Per the rules. That's in the rules. Yeah. Them's the they'll rules. tell you. We have a rules lawyer and a lawyer lawyer on the show, so they'll tell That's you. That's true. All right. Y'all want to answer a couple questions? At least one. How, At least how, one. How are we doing on time? We're, uh, uh, I think we're looking hour, pretty hour good. Hour 20? We're pretty good. Yeah. 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 Let's All answer right. some Let's questions. Uh, let's start with the first one. Friend of the show, friend of the Saturday stream, Abby, at Common Commander on Twitter, wants to know, as PDH becomes more powerful, such as with the release of Baldur's Gate, do you find yourself enjoying the format more or less, and uh, how much power is the ideal level of power? Dave. Or actually, Bobby. Bobby's the guest. Why don't you start us off? I So I'll answer this from the competitive perspective. but Sure. I love, I want all of the power all the time. So, um, <laughs> no, I think it's been, it's been really cool, you know, over the last, you know, however, I don't even know when Baldur's Gate came out at this point. There's so many sets, but, uh, you know, there's seemingly like a new commander or two that is really relevant almost every set, if not more. Sure. Um, new mechanics that matter. You know, we've seen all the, you know, we've seen Tempt, the initiative. I don't remember what came out when anymore. Um, but, there are these very impactful cards every set now. And it, it's cool because we get to see new decks, new strategies, which shake up old cards. You know, we get to see new, uh, you know, Oboro Breeze Caller is something I think of that came and became, you know, it got played a little bit with Tadiova, but Gretchen made it good out of nowhere. Like Oboro Breeze Caller wasn't getting played anywhere before that. So, um, right. you know, there's all these cool like side effects of new powerful cards or even just new cards. So it's, I, I love it. I love seeing new stuff. I love playing new things. I love brewing. I never have enough time to play all the things I brew, which is yeah, a bummer, for sure. but I spend a ridiculous amount of time thinking about it. So, yeah. And I find myself often, like you mentioned, a new set will come out and you'd be like, oh, there's only two or three cool commanders for, for us to use, yada, yada, yada. And then like six months later, you're like, I need to revisit that set because there were some really cool creatures like throughout <laughs> throughout all the colors, you know, all the, you know, uncommon and common. So I do that quite often as well. Yeah. Well, it's it's not the fact that you missed anything or slept on it. It's just when they came out, you had six other creatures you were walking on from six months prior. Yep, right. <laughs> and and so these creatures get put on the back burner in six months from now. That's you a good look back point. Set, you're like, why didn't I brew any of those? And you're going to ignore yep. whatever set's coming out then. <laughs> yep, that is a that is a good good point. What do you think, Liam? Uh, what, yeah. What do you got for an answer? So to answer this, um, I like I like that the format feels like right now a little bit more like you need to be making choices. Uh, when I first started a few years ago, I didn't 
feel like I needed to be making any real hard decisions, cuts were pretty easy. I would get to the end of a deck list, it'd be like 105, 110, I could easily make those cuts, no problem. I definitely, definitely do not want the format to end up where EDH is right now, where cuts are like just mentally debilitating. Uh, whenever, I'm, <laughs> whenever I'm making a new commander deck, like I will legit have upwards of 200, 250 cards that I have to cut to 100, and that's not even including basic lands. Like, see, that's wild. That just makes me, me give so up. Wild. I I like what PDH is right now. Where like I you know I get to the end of a deck list, I have basic lands in the deck, and I'm at like 120, 130. Still a little hard to cut, but it's manageable. Sure. But like, brewing EDH right now is so rough. Uh, I've I've just started like, uh, uh, putting putting caps on myself of like, unless I own the expensive card or know someone who I can trade for the expensive card, I'm not putting the expensive card in my deck. Uh, mm-hmm. And and that's, you know, like 60 cuts. <laughs> uh, so that, that's how I brew EDH right now, where everything is a quarter or less. But but yeah, it's when, when I'm brewing with PDH, I, I like where the format's at now. I, I think that the power yeah. level is currently ideal. I think we could probably have a couple more Baldur's Gates without getting too out of hand. Uh, but yeah, that's where I'm at right now. Awesome. Dave... How much power is too much power? I, I EDH is too much power, and <laughs> I think that I think that PDH has been getting more and more power lately. Uh, but I think it's still orders of magnitude less egregious than what's happening in EDH, which mm, is sort of is my a good word for it. Yeah, for sure. And that's that's my benchmark for like what I absolutely categorically do not want to see happen in PDH. So I'm I'm right now really happy with the the current like level and and I'll say I will say that I'm I'm pleased with the current pace of power creep. I I recognize that power creep has to be a part of this game. Like wizards at the end of the sure. day wizards yep. is a business, they have to sell new cards. If someone already has 50,000 cards and you want them to buy more, you have to make the new cards like fun and interesting and better. So like I'm I'm yes. on board with that. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna you know. You can't pretend it doesn't exist. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um. But the the pace of it is something that I really enjoy. Like, um, you know, every we we get you know four four big set releases a year now, and like sometimes they come out and they are, you know, Dominaria remastered, which has a really really minor impact on my decks and my formats, and like honestly. That's a huge relief because I don't have to update a hundred decks. It really is. It does feel good when that happens. And like on the at the same time, you know, sometimes we get these sets like you know, uh, uh, oh, how did I forget the name of it? Baldur's Gate. We get the Baldur's (laughs) Gates and we get the the Neon Dynasties, which are just packed with powerhouse cards. And I need to put you know six to ten upgrades into every single one of my decks and like. That's a lot of work, but it's work that I get really excited for. Like I yeah. love like thinking about what this new card is going to do to this deck and how it's going to reinvigorate this idea that I had, you know, 3 years ago but was really missing a card and now it has it and like I so I'm I I'm on board with the current uh the current pace, the current uh creep, the current power level. I think I think we're in sure. a really healthy spot right now. Yeah. And I think we're moving in healthy directions. It's a very good way to put it. Yeah, I, I'm definitely not um, a reliable barometer for power levels because I just don't play that a lot. I'll, I'll every now and then theorize a competitive deck, or I have a couple built for when I 
stumble into a competitive table. But like, I absolutely love what the format has become since Baldur's Gate. I think that what you know, a lot of people have joked like, "Oh, Baldur's Gate was just Pauper Masters," and it kind of was. Like, it's sort of it reinvented the format, but it didn't replace what had come before. If that makes sense, like. I don't know how many Baldur's Gates the format can handle before it becomes modern, which is basically just the Modern Horizon sets. But I feel like we could do one of these every couple of years and it would be totally fine. Um, like Dave said, you know, when you when we get a new set, the, the Dominaria remasters or what have you feel awesome because you're like, OK, I found three cards that are going to go in a third of my decks. Like it's no problem. No, you know, no big deal. You just update them, that sort of thing. And then you have some some sets like Baldur's Gate, like Neon Dynasty, that just have bangers in every color and artifacts and the lands and everything. And you're doing this massive update project, which if that were to happen all the time, that would be extremely exhausting, extremely frustrating. But one of the things I like about, you know, Baldur's Gate or Neon Dynasty, the huge impact sets, is if you're trying to update your decks and you're kind of waffling, like PDH is the type of format where you can take two of those cards and just go ahead and build a whole new deck around them if you want you know if they didn't make it into this deck or the two cards you had to swap out you still really love them you still really want to play them so just go ahead and throw them in a you know build a new deck for them or what have you so um i don't know how much power is ideal but to sort of parrot what dave said we i feel like we're really healthy right now we're very good format very uh thriving format and um yeah that's all i gotta say about it i guess but that was a very good question. Very good question. And that sort of leads into the next listener slash host question. Uh, I actually have a question for all of you gentlemen, and I'm glad Bobby's on here to sort of uh, give, an, give a different perspective on it as well. I was thinking about this the other day, and I meant to uh, bring it up in the Discord and possibly on Twitter, and it just sort of got away from me. You know, n- every time we think about what whatever format you play, 60 cards... EDH, you know, PDH, whatever you play, every time the topic gets brought up of new cards, what does the format need? What do you want to see in the format? It's almost always like, oh, I want to see this downshifted or this is my pet card. I'd love to be able to play this, yada, yada, yada. So sort of like forgetting where your heart is. Is there anything, have you noticed, is there anything that that the format, that Popper Commander actually needs to be better, to take that next step, like not something you would love to see or not some rare that you would love to play in our format, but like, are we missing better lands? Are we missing better rocks? Like, is there something that's we don't have that's sort of holding the format back at all? And whoever can answer, if you have an answer, just go ahead yes. and throw it out there. Yes, we, uh, the, the, the format as a whole uh, needs more three color options. Uh, I think the, sh- the, oh, shards yes. are, the shards are pretty set. I think each of those combinations has somewhere between four and six options. Um, but the wedges kind of suck. Uh, they all have yeah. one, except for Saltai, which happens to have a second one that we only have thanks <laughs> to Time Spiral or Planar Chaos. Planar, Planar so chaos, yeah. Planar uh, chaos. <laughs> the wedges need more love. Uh, I wouldn't mind maybe really seeing do. some four-color options, but I also know that Commander has been asking for that for a decade at this point. Um, so yeah. I'm not holding my breath and, uh, you know, I think the five color options we have are pretty solid, but Bobby and I had a, had a very, very brief discussion 
uh, during the pre-show, and I, I would I would co-sign better five-color options. Yeah, sure. I, I think I'd be the, okay with that. Yeah, I think five. You know, there's there's a handful of five-color options which are fine and dandy or whatever, but I feel like they all lack like some identity. Damn it! That... Just be happy you can play five color. <laughs> <laughs> I want my cake and I want to eat it too. Uh, sure. <laughs> so yeah, I, I like the identity, uh, like the the creatures that like have something that clearly indicates what they want to do, and I don't feel like any of the five color commanders quite do that. I just like good stuff, but let you play five colors. So mm-hmm. yeah, right. It's my thought, my answer to this question. So. And increasing like competitive deck diversity, like I think non blue and black tutors would be awesome. Um, you know, blue and black has transmute, and so blue, you know, combo decks get to be in blue and black and have fun tutoring all to yep. their heart's content. Uh, sure, outside of that, we have really narrow tutors like Goblin Matron in red, Rocco and Naya. You know, there's, there's a handful, but they're not quite as versatile or. You know, don't I don't know? They don't feel the same way that the you know transmute does, where it enables so much. Oh, for sure. I think something you know, some share of tutors across the rest of the color pie would be cool. And then the same thing with sack outlets outside of you know uh, just black as a color. You know, I think um, there's cool aristocrat type stuff you could be doing, and you know, creatures are a core of every you know. Every deck is playing a cre- some number of creatures, even if it's just the commander. And so, like, I, I want to see more, like, aristocrat stuff outside of, you know, black or black-white, um, personally. Yeah, yeah, I'd definitely sign off on that. All right, Dave, what do you got? Well, this format needs more than anything else a stigma lasher. <laughs> I know you said not, <laughs> not counting downshifts, but I, I reject your rules because this is an important thing I need to talk about. Stigma Lasher is a two mana two two. I need to hyperlink this card for the red for patrons. Creature red rare from Eventide with the text wither and the important part when Stigma Lasher deals combat damage to an opponent, that player can't gain life. For the rest of the game. For wait, for how long? For the rest of the game. <laughs> Dang. Yeah, I'm. That's a long I'm time. Sick of this life gain. Pretty broken. Like, <laughs> we have we have a couple options that will shut down the life gain. Like we you know we have Night of Dusk Shadow. I've I've got that deck put together. John has a Tybalt deck. He's got that put together. I just remembered this morning that or this afternoon that uh. There's a red dinosaur beast from Brothers War that does this as well. But the problem mm. with all of those is that if someone removes the creature, life gain turns back on. Right. I need a more permanent solution. I just need Stigma Lasher in the command zone. So are just you for just one one good punch? Are you just do you just not like Paul? As a person, like, is there like bad blood there? <laughs> Paul, I'm just gonna, brownie. I'm just gonna ruin Viscopa Guildmage forever. This is the hard counter. <laughs> this is the hot. This is the hot tech for next year's RIW tournament. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I I love Paul. I loved watching him just annihilate turn after turn after turn with that deck. But yep. uh, someone someone needs to stop him. Yeah. <laughs> He can't. He can't I keep getting away. It's gonna be with the this. lasher. I mean, I it's gotta else. be. It's gotta be stigma lasher. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, and I just learned of this card. So this is this is amazing. This is awesome. It's uh, it's always had a special place. Like in 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 Eventide, I was like, this card has amazing art. I love this card. I was like always trying to find a use for it. But like in Limited, oh, it's super just super sick art. Yeah, like it's so narrow. It just doesn't do anything important in Limited. And like I tried to play it in EDH a couple of years. I was like, ah, uh, it's not. Like you never draw it when you need it, and like it takes extra steps to actually like connect with it. But like. No, this is this is the use. I finally found the use for this ancient pet card of mine, and the use is I need the downshift so I can ruin life gain for it. Just ruin it. Just take <laughs> Not, it out you back. Know, you don't put just want to like hold misery. it off. You don't want to like deal with it later. Like you just want it ruined. I want it gone. I want it off <laughs> the table. <laughs> oh. It's like so, an yeah. emblem, right? It's like... <laughs> it, I was just thinking that same thing. Yeah, target player gets an emblem that says... If they would gain, gain life. life, tell them to cry about it instead. <laughs> Damn. It's a replacement effect. It is a replacement <laughs> effect. Yeah. yeah. Replace your life with Kleenex. That's fine. Yeah. Good answers. Good answers. Yes, I'm definitely on board with the uh, more three-color options, please. Like, I do love the ones we have, but you can only only go so far with them, I guess. I also want more madness. Yeah, see, I would be okay with more madness. We got, I always feel like madness, there's a few mechanics that are like this that have been around for so long that I feel like they just have thousands of cards that common with that mechanic on it. And you look it up, you're like, oh, there's only like a handful that I can actually put in this deck. And then madness is one of them. Every time I think about using madness, I like can't find very many for it. But it's been around forever, so I just feel like naturally it should have 300 cards. But for for a hot minute it was a like a nine on the storm scale because it's just was it really a, right because like it's Holy uh, it, from a from a rules perspective it's uh it's a huge like headache because mm-hmm. it it's not like being able to cast something instead of discarding it creates a big nightmare in terms of like timing issues because like you're discarding it in the middle of doing something else and like right. you, can't, mm-hmm. you can't cast a spell in the middle of resolving another effect so like the the actual the technical rules of it are if you would discard a card with madness exile it instead the next time you have priority you have to choose like as a state-based action to either like well not a state-based action because you have priority but like the next time you have priority you have to either choose right then to cast it or put it into your graveyard Right. And like, yeah. it's, it's like making sure, like, th- there's a lot of like weird complications. So it was like, even the, when we got Madness, new, new Madness cards recently, it was not a standard legal set. It was Modern Horizons, mm-hmm. which sure. I was super grateful for. But like, it's not, it's, I mean, it is still a nine on the Storm scale, I think, just because it's a rules catastrophe. Yeah. So I, I don't expect it. a lot more of them. I just want them because I'm greedy. Yeah, I, I believe it too. And that's something I always thought about when I first started playing with Madness and 60 Card Popper was like, it just feels awkward. Like your explanation was great and that's probably like the official explanation and it totally makes sense. But when you think about it, like the way it's printed, like I'm I'm in the process of putting this into the graveyard, but I'm casting at the same time. Like it just feels awkward as like a a, a movement, a rules movement. But yeah, um, I, I can see like... that, yeah. It's like a small step below panglacial worm in terms of like <laughs> weird rules nonsense and like things things that Matt Tabak hates and wishes didn't exist. Do you, so. do you know what's a, a large step above panglacial worm? Uh, tell me. Mutate. 
yeah, okay. All right. All right. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I can buy that. It's got a lot more weird corner cases. Oh, that was good. Good stuff. Good answers, everybody. Thank you for answering my listener question for the week. But uh, there's uh, just a few more things before we wrap it up for the week. Uh, as always, if you need more Popper Commander talk or have any questions about the format, email the show at the pdhpod at gmail.com. You can head on over to the home base's website. That'll take you to the Discord server. You can find the show on Twitter at the pdhpod. And then you can find Liam and I on Twitter as well at Popper Command and Popper underscore B. And then uh, Dave as Alcadron is literally everywhere else PDH is being talked about. And then uh, Bobby, is there anywhere that the um, that we haven't talked about where the listeners can find you? Oh, we might touch on. The, I mentioned the Sanctuary earlier, so uh, Sanctuary is a really? Discord server I made to kind of help foster some tournament action, um, CPDH action. And so we had our first tournament back in, I think, May. I don't know. I've already forgot. So uh, good on me. But um, figured out the next kind of lineup for events. So we have a tournament uh, coming up on August 12th. Um, it's at 1 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, it'll be on the server. You can uh, if you go to sanctuarypdh.com. It has links to you know the Twitter, the registration site, the Discord server, all that jazz. Um, August 12th, 1 p.m. Eastern Time, $16 entry for that. Uh, also, mm-hmm. we'll be starting up a league, the first league here, uh, actually on Saturday, the 8th. Um, it'll be at 3 p.m. Uh, for the next two Saturdays, and then the third Saturday will be like the finals, quote unquote, or semifinals and finals, depending on how many people. Uh, but that league is free, um, 3 p.m. Eastern Time. You just got to commit to two games, you know, each Saturday, and then uh, mm-hmm. you get to win some cool PDH bling. I have a beta pestilence. Uh, cover your ears. Oh. If you, uh, uh, but there's an Arabian Nights oubliette, a snuff out, and a lotus petal Ooh, up for grass. So. I want a beta pestilence. Yeah. So it starts Ooh. in... Oh, I get, okay. So this this starts on Same. the... Uh, yeah, so Saturday. I do too. Yeah. yeah. So, still time to sign uh, up. Yep. And you can change your decks. You know, you're not locked out. into one deck for all the games. So, yeah. So, you just play, you know, you're just coming uh, to playing two games, two Saturdays in a row. And, yeah, it's like a, just I'm a cumulative a, record. That sounds awesome. Yeah. And then the last thing to, you know, I miss Friday Night Magic. I don't know if anyone here still yeah, plays Friday Night awesome. Magic or goes every now and then. But um, to kind of get some of that feeling back, I, I also started hosting the. We're doing F and M's every or every sorry, well every Friday um, <laughs> at seven p.m. and we're streaming it on the Sanctuary uh, YouTube slash Twitch, depending on if YouTube <laughs> is cooperating. Um, just get people to one get some competitive games in, and if they want to be on stream and point to you know, hey, come right, watch me yep. play, um, gives people a chance to do that too. Yeah, see, that's awesome, and that's the kind of content that's really like helping the the format grow. You know, it's bringing in, um, like, just these three things you talked about: the tournament, the leagues, the F and M. Like, that's that's hitting every like player base right there. You know, like the the social, you know, casually competitives and the hyper competitives and the you know, it's just uh, touching a little bit of everything. And I think that's that's really um, yeah. yeah, awesome. I want to give it so congratulations yeah, on that. It's stuff. really exciting. I want to give a real sh- like shout out to Dallas Walker who. Uh, basically inspired me to uh, Dallas put together the Philly tournaments, uh, the rags, riches, riches to rags, uh, <laughs> right. And mm-hmm. I went to that one, 
uh, happened earlier this year in March, and it just got me really excited and kind of led to, you know, the the origin of the sanctuary idea. So, yeah, that's yeah. awesome. You did pretty well at that time. I didn't might you? have won or something like that. I guess. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Who knows? It's ancient yeah, history. It feels like it. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm be fine on all the discords everywhere. Uh, at Sanctuary PDH on Twitter. Uh, again, SanctuaryPDH.com gets you to everywhere else, and you can find me through all that stuff. So, Yep, and I'll put every single one of these links down into the show details so you can check them all out from there. So uh, I guess we're going to wrap up episode 56 of the PDH pod. So, uh, But before we do that, we want to give a big thanks to MTG Brad for letting us use their original tunes for the show. And from everyone in here to everyone out there, brew a deck, play with power, or, or don't, I guess. And uh, we'll see you in about a week. Say goodbye, everybody. Cheers. Bye. Do I have to? <laughs> <laughs> That's a mindset. I brought proper text to the party. I brought proper text to the party. Oh.